<laughs> Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campuses join us in Appleton and in Stevens Point. We were a little early there, but we waited for you all. And let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are, what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us here this morning. We want to give a shout out to Lindsay and Jason Schumacher over at our Appleton campus. They had a little baby boy, Braden Blake Schumacher. Braden. Nobody calls their kids Mark anymore. Uh, hey, Mark. It's just not hip. What are you laughing at? You're Joe. Uh, so, <laughs> Mark. Uh, am I, uh, what am I talking about? Oh, the babies. Yes, we love babies. We love babies here at Celebration Church because we love people. And we've discovered that without babies, you can't turn into people. So... We encourage as many babies as conceivably possible. And speaking of babies, uh, we want to make a, an appeal to those of you who don't get all that involved in church to step up for the summer, looking for some people who will step up and give a break to all the little chubby-faced toddlers out there, not a break to them, to their parents, so that they can uh, continue to worship God. One of the reasons why it's relatively quiet right now is all the loud ones are out there. Uh, being taken care of uh, from the little tiny infants up to, I think, through fourth grade. They have their own special church, and they sit down and tell them Bible stories. The kids love it. If you have small children, you know what I'm talking about. They love to come to church. It's amazing how many people tell me their kids drag them <laughs> to church. Doesn't say a lot about you. But anyway, uh, so the kids love it. Now, these are these people all year long. They are working with these uh, youngsters. Uh, let me encourage you. Give them a break. This summer, we're asking for people to step up, particularly you guys. It doesn't have to always be women back there. You men, man up. Now, it's an easy thing to do. It has a beginning and it has an end. Starts at uh, now and ends at the end of summer. This is not an eternal sign-up. No one is going to suck your soul out forever. Uh, maybe you can only do one Sunday a month. Maybe two. Maybe you can do all four, whatever. At every campus... There's a table out in the foyer. Go sign up. You don't normally do stuff. We're talking to you. Give them a break. All right? Give them our children's workers a hand for everything that they do. <clears throat> Cut them a little slack. It'll do you some good. All right. Uh, my good friend Ken Davis tells a story. He says a kindergarten teacher handed out a coloring page to her class. On it was a picture of a duck holding an umbrella. The teacher told her class to color the duck yellow and the umbrella green. But little Johnny, who always did things his way, colored the duck bright fire engine red. After seeing this, the teacher said, Johnny, 
How many times have you seen a red duck? Without looking up, Johnny replied, the same number of times I've seen a yellow duck holding an umbrella. <laughs> Sometimes it's good to step back a little bit and look at what we're doing, what we believe, make sure that it makes sense. We're doing that now with a series called Faith 101. We're going through and we're just dealing with some of the fundamental concepts and ideas of the Christian faith. Today we're going to answer the question, or try to answer the question, why do we go to church? Why? Why do we do this? Now Jesus made this very strong statement. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I mean, that's pretty strong. Jesus intended the church to be something really significant. Uh, but what is it? Why is it important? We recite in the Apostles' Creed just then, we believe in the Holy Christian Church. What does that mean? Well, first of all, we want to ask the question, should we go to church? Now, there's a very strong, over the last 20 years at least in American culture, where people have gotten the idea, oh, I don't need to go to church. I don't, I don't, I don't need to go to church. You know, church is just, you know. They, so even people a lot of times that do go to church go to it very sporadically because they've really gotten the idea that it's, it's nice. You need to plug in once in a while, but it's really not all that significant. That is not the way Jesus approached it. He would build this church, and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And when we talk about the church, we're talking about the people, not the buildings. We call buildings churches, but not really churches. People, the gathering of people, that is what is the church. Should you go? Uh, in Hebrews, we read, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. And that habit is continuing to this day. Uh, there's people who really consider themselves part of Celebration Church. I meet them, and uh, if you were to ask them, do you go to church? They say, yes. What is your church? Celebration Church. Who's your pastor? Mark Unger. And they go to church maybe four to six times a year out of 52. Uh, that's all because they just don't take it all that seriously. They are, are in the bad habit, as uh, we just read here, of not going to church. The scriptures are very clear that we should gather together. The examples in the New Testament of the early church, the thing that set them apart is they were constantly gathering together. They did it on a weekly basis on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, and it's why Christians all over the world on this day are gathering together. But why? Why do we do it? Let's take a look at it, why we go to church. First of all, it's so that we can worship God together, lift our voices together, sing to God uh, now, there's a very common saying that, well, I can worship God just the same out in the woods, enjoying nature. I can do it just as close to God as the same as I, I was sitting in a church. To which I reply, no, you can't. Now, you can certainly worship God out in the woods if that is what you're so inclined to do. By all means, worship away. But it's not the same. And I encourage the wood experience Monday through Saturday. But on Sunday, we gather together intentionally and we do a joint expression of faith. It is not the same as you sitting by yourself off somewhere on top of a mountain somewhere, as lovely as that may be. There is something unique, something powerful, something special as we gather together and we express ourselves to God. Now, I know a lot of people in our church, Stevens Point, 
Appleton here in Green Bay, they clearly believe in miracles because they sing with their mouths shut, which is quite miraculous. And, uh, and I understand that some of you are not comfortable singing, but let me encourage you. You need to open your mouth and sing. Say, well, I don't sing very good. That's why the music is loud. <laughs> All right? We're, I'm pretty sure we can drown out any one of y'all. So I, I don't know how to sing. That's how you learn how to sing, by listening to the pitch and learning how to move your voice along with the music. You know, America is increasingly becoming a nation that doesn't know how to sing. We used to learn how to sing because so many people were in church all the time and in schools, but schools have dropped that requirement by and large, and people today just don't know how to sing. I can always identify church people in a restaurant if they're singing happy birthday. Because if you listen to non-church goers, they can't sing to save their lives. God bless them. You know, it's not a slam. It's, not, it's just they honestly don't know how to sing. People don't know how to sing. Today. Most church, listen, even the wait staff, good Lord, take a lesson. You know. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday, happy birthday to you. And, oh, the five of them doing it in different pictures. I was like, oh, my Lord. The worst is, uh, <laughs> what's the Italian place? Olive Garden. Because they have a hard song, right? Their song is la, 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 They're singing that. That's their happy birthday words. Most people who can sing can't sing it, right? Like me. I just massacred it just then. When they sing it, it's, oh, Lord, please change the song. But anyway, Christians, I can always identify Christians because when they sing happy birthday in a restaurant, they're all in pitch together. And by the end, they're all in harmony. It's a lovely thing. Every time it happens, those are church people right there. You can always tell. Again, it's not a slam to anybody. It's just you learn how to sing. Why can they sing? And somebody else. It's not because you're more spiritual. It's just that you've learned to sing. You need to sing. That's how you learn to sing. Again, the good news, music's really loud. Nobody can hear you if you stink. But there's a wonderful thing. There's an, a, a transformative experience when you lift your voice together with other people. Say, so, I don't know what you're talking about. It's because you don't sing. If you sing, you see the people around you who do sing, they're rather enjoying it. Why? Because they're experiencing this cleansing, wonderful expression of faith, singing together with other people and worshiping God. You cannot duplicate it anywhere else, I promise you. It's a powerful thing. Jesus said, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. He went out of his way to express that there's something different than just you by yourself. When you gather, this incredible worship expression is very powerful if you'll just join in and sing together. Another reason we gather together is to pray together. Now, it's absolutely true. You can certainly pray by yourself. I personally find it more personally fulfilling to pray by myself. Clearly, in that context, you can pour your heart out to God. You can tell him everything and anything you don't want anybody else to hear. You know, and, and that's wonderful and great. But nonetheless, there is something unique about praying with someone else. That's why Jesus said, again, truly, in other words, I'm not lying to you. I tell you that, that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. He went out of his way again to say, it's wonderful to pray by yourself, but when you pray somebody else, something different happens, something unique happens. Learn to pray 
with other people. If you're really struggling in life, find someone else to pray. When you come to church, if you're really struggling this morning, whatever campus you're in, don't just shoot out of your campus, you know, and just miserable still. Ask someone to pray for you. Uh, Usually at the end of the services, we have people that you can come up front and pray with them or connect with others. Uh, It doesn't have to be any one particular person. Certainly doesn't have to be the pastor, the campus pastor. We're happy to pray with you, but there's nothing uniquely holier about our prayers. It's just the powerful thing of praying with someone else. You need to learn to pray with other people. Corporate prayer can be uniquely powerful. Another reason for gathering together is for the teaching of the scriptures. Now, again, you can certainly read the Bible by yourself, and in fact, you should, and you can study it by yourself, which is fine, and Jesus said the Holy Spirit would teach you things, but the Bible is still very clear there's something, again, unique about gathering together and hearing someone teach. God shows up in a unique and wonderful way. Paul wrote to Timothy about this. He says, until I come, devote devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. Why? There is, again, something uniquely wonderful that happens in that environment. And those of us who do this a lot can testify that we oftentimes will speak and are stunned by the impact it has on other people. Even some some of the biggest compliments I get from my sermons is when they're horrible sermons. I think I get done and I walk off of here thinking that was the worst sermon I ever heard. And I was doing it. And, and then afterwards, people go, man, that, that changed my life. That was so powerful. I go, were you in the same service as I was? You know, but, I mean, because it's not about me. It's about God doing it. I often think God intentionally does that to show those of us who do this that it ain't about us. All right? God speaks to people. He said, oftentimes, I'll say a phrase or something. I, I don't even know I said it. Just kind of a side thing. Boom, it has an incredible impact on somebody. Uh, people often say, you know, Wow, did you have a microphone in our house last week? <laughs> That's what we were talking about all week long. No, I don't, I'm don't. i not bugging your houses. Uh, it's just God is, though. Keep that in mind. <laughs> I'm convinced if we could put a camera in people's homes, there'd be much more peace. Absolutely convinced. In fact, we were talking about this the other day. Was that with you? You know, I don't know. Who's, but some of these couples, some of you guys really struggle. We can't help all that. We should just stick cameras in. I'm serious. They have to agree to it. But I'll bet you there'll be an amazing transformation. It'll be almost miraculous. Like God came down and kissed the earth, and you were right in the middle of the smack. Why? Because now we can see you, and we can hear you. And I'll bet you some of that nasty you normally do will stop. (laughs) We got to try it, I'm telling you. Some of you. What am I talking about? Oh, teaching of the scriptures. scriptures. He was on another rabbit trail. (laughs) Something powerful happens when we gather together and we listen to the teaching of God's word. Here's another reason for getting together for uh, uh, Christians, church, is for taking communion together, something we do every Sunday. Most mainline churches do it every Sunday. Evangelical churches I think, to their own hurt, don't do it every Sunday. I think the main reason they don't is just because the other guys do. And a lot of people came out of mainline churches, 
and started these evangelical churches, and if the Catholics did it, we didn't want to do it. You know, it's just it's ridiculous. You know, now, granted, some of these mainline churches overdo it and make it about so much about that, and it's not just about that, but it's still important, and the Bible says it's important, and clearly, by testament of the scriptures themselves, the Christians, whenever they gathered together, did communion together. It's why we do it. Paul writes, he says, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And he says, whenever you do this, remember me. Remember what I did. That was the whole purpose. Why would he tell us? Because we can forget. It's easy to forget what this is about. Every time we end our service or toward the end of the service, we do communion. It's just the focus. This is what this is about. Jesus Christ died on that cross for us and was raised from the dead. This is why we gather together. No matter what is taught, no matter what is said, we focus back on that because that is what this is about. Uh, we need to remember. This is Memorial Day weekend, and we are to remember those who uh, paid the ultimate sacrifice and to honor those who served in our country. Service, God bless you for your service and for everything that you do. But, but uh, this is even more. This is We are remembering the ultimate sacrifice, and we do this every Sunday something you do corporately together with brothers and sisters in Christ. And Paul warns, he says, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. For everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup, which is what we're supposed to do. Every Sunday when we gather and we take communion, we're not looking for some kind of magical experience here. This is about remembering what Christ did for us and a time of reflection. What kind of adjustment do I need to make in my life? What did you... What? Do I need to do based on what I just heard? Someone just spoke. Someone just taught from the scriptures. Do I need to make any adjustments in my life? I promise you, almost every time I hear a sermon, I think, oops, <laughs> oops, <laughs> need to adjust there. You're not the only ones, okay? We all know this. We need to constantly remind ourselves. You need to make the adjustments. If you are not making adjustments in your spiritual life, you're not going to get anywhere. Everybody needs to make adjustments. I'm a pilot. been flying airplanes for 25 years. And you just don't take, now before you take off, you got to do all this and look at the weather and the winds and come up with the angle that you need to fly because, you know, you can't just point at something and think you'll get there. You know, if you're pointing, trying to get to Chicago, but the winds are blowing hard from the west, you're going to wind up in Kokomo, Indiana. You miss the whole thing, even though you're pointing in the right direction because the winds move you around. Sometimes you got to fly like this to go that way and make it, but I promise you when you're flying or if the autopilot's flying, constantly making adjustments constantly, because things are always never quite what they thought it would be. Anybody see the weather reports? <laughs> never quite right. They don't have a clue, by the way. Uh, and and uh, you're constantly making adjustments. If you don't learn to make it, that's what communion is. Stop. We've been here. We've sung together. We worship God. We prayed together. We've heard the message. Now reflect. What do I need to do? Are there any adjustments? If you constantly think, no, there's nothing I need to do, you're not doing this right. Because clearly we all need to make adjustments. God, speak to me. Show me what I need to do so I can get back in line with where I'm supposed to be. Another important part of getting together in church is just the fellowship, doing life together. Now, there's a great inclination, particularly in Western culture, to try and do life on your own. I don't need anybody else. In fact, some people have put walls around themselves because they've been hurt by others, and I understand that. I do. But you walling yourself off is not healthy for you. And you're not going to truly thrive in life. You're not supposed to be doing life all by yourself. You certainly can if you choose to, but you will struggle. 
You want to really thrive and grow, you've got to connect with others. Now, let there be no doubt, for some people, that's very, very hard. Some people make friends instantly. They, are, they could connect with people. Man, my son-in-law, Ross, he's like that. He could walk up to a fence post and just, <laughs> just talk, and they're connected. I said, whoa, I'll be, I'll be out with him in public, and he sees a guy, and he shakes and says, how you doing? They're talking back and forth. Like, wow, where'd you know this guy from? I just met him. Really? How do you do that? I don't do that. You know, it's just, it's amazing. Some people can do it. My cousin Carmen that was here, she's helping out with the Latino congregation. Man, that girl, same thing. Boom! I wish I had that. I really don't. When I'm by myself, I'm much more self-conscious. I get very comfortable. I'm more comfortable in front of a thousand people than I am by myself. Isn't that weird? Something wrong with me. But uh, uh, people... You know, some people have a hard time. There's people, people can do that, people in the middle, but there's some, seriously, it's really hard for you to connect with other people. And I understand that, but you need to do it. You really need to do it. The way you do it is you do it on purpose. That's why you come to church. Some people, uh, you know, I meet them for the first time they visit this church, man, boom, and within a week or two, they're in. They're connected to everybody. There's a, you know, but that's just them. Not everybody's like that. Some of you, it takes a while, but you got to do it on purpose. And you can't do it by playing, you know, the Kentucky Derby. You know what that is? It's as soon as the amen, ticking, and everybody's out of here. The doors are up, they're off, okay? You, you, you need to connect with people. You need to talk to people. You need to find friends. You're not supposed to be doing life all by yourself. The Bible tells us in Galatians that we're supposed to carry each other's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And you can't carry someone's burdens if you don't know their burdens. And you can't share your burdens if you don't know people. And we all do this. Everybody always say, hey, how's it going? And you always say, great. You could be suicidal. Thinking, I want to end it all. Someone say, how's it going? Hey, it's going good. It's just automatic. It's just it's almost a culture. You know, you're supposed to say that. And I get that. It's fine. But you're not going to really connect with people if, the, if your best friend is yourself. <laughs> Okay? You need to connect with others. Here's an important reason for church. This is a very unpopular one. It's called submission. In Hebrews, we read, have confidence in your leaders. Talking about those in church authority, pastors and the like. Have confidence in them. Submit to their authority. No! No! I hate that word submit. I don't want to submit to anybody. We're Americans. Nobody can tell me what to do. You can't tell me what to do. Like a president, stupid pastor. You think you're being spiritual? You're not being spiritual. So what if we don't like what you say? <laughs> we'll get in line. <laughs> and nobody's trying to control anyone's life, and no one's telling you to sell your home and give me all the money. Although, no, I won't do that. It's not kind of a weird cult that we're in. Put me back on the screen. Put me back on the screen. There I am. I get nervous if I can't see myself. Anyway... Uh, <laughs> give our audio and technical crew a big hand for all that they do. <laughs> yeah, I persecute them. All right. What was I talking about? Submission. Yes, they submitted to me and put me back on the screen. It's a good thing. You need to listen to people. I know we are the kind of people we don't want anyone to tell us what to do. And some of us have a chip on our shoulder. You got to tell me what to do. This is my ministry. I'm going to do this. Stop. Roll it back a little bit. 
It's a good thing to put yourself in a position where someone asks you to do something that maybe you don't want to do. And it's not that it's that complicated around here, you know. You know, could, could you take this communion tray over there? Oh, no, I'm not your employee. Really? How about you just be nice to people? Submit. It's of great benefit. In fact, put that back up now. <laughs> that scripture. <laughs> there they go. Have confidence in your leaders. Submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that will be of no benefit to you. This is all for the benefit of the church growing together. All right, and the last reason we'll talk about uh, the reason to gather together as Christians is so that we can experience the gifts of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what really makes Christianity, if we're doing this, truly unique. Sadly, many churches today don't put much of a focus on this, and it's a big mistake. But any religion prays. Most all religions sing. All religions, as far as I know, have holy books that they read and reference and stuff to. They got all their different things that they do very much like the Christian faith. What makes Christianity very different is that God shows up, literally shows up and moves through the lives of people by the power of the Holy Spirit and will do things to dramatically change your life around. We are not just a bunch of people gathering together praying, oh God, way out there in space somewhere, please listen to us. That's not what this is. We are gathering together, we're celebrating the Christian faith, but we are experiencing God literally moving through us. The Bible talks about this, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There's different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There's different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Talking about the church getting together. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. What does that mean? Someone having some advice to give you that is, I'm telling you, it's from God. Sometimes I've done this, and I've been actually shocked what came out of my own mind. I thought, whoa, what was that? I believe it was God showing up. I think, oh, that's pretty smart. <laughs> but it wasn't me. It was just God had a message for somebody else. And wow, that really helped you. It says that someone... Uh, um, a message of knowledge. You're, you got a question. You're facing something. You don't know what to do in your life. You're all stressed out. Well, you crying and freaking and hiding by yourself isn't going to help. Connecting with someone and finding out all of a sudden they will give you some advice and they'll know the answer to what you need. Given to them by God himself because God moves through people. God loves to move through people. That's what the church is about. Uh, to another person, faith by the same spirit. Sometimes there's a gift of faith. What does that mean? You ever been struggling and you felt like you didn't have enough faith? Anybody out there other than me? You know, you're struggling, man, I just need more faith. And man, all of a sudden, someone comes alongside you and they have more than enough faith for you and everybody else. And I mean, it is a unique experience. Wow. Where God just shows up like that. You say, uh, Pastor, I've never experienced any of this. Of course not, because you're in the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> Amen. Ding! And they're off. To another, gifts of healing. Anybody could use that around here? <coughs> yeah, I think so. Miraculous. All these things. There's one after another. God shows up and miraculously does it. And he does it through people. God works through people. I would love to say that it comes through me. Praise God. Hallelujah. But it does not. Now, on rare occasions, it may. But that's not what this is about. Oftentimes, when you say the church, we think about the top down. We think of the pastors or the bishops or the pope or whatever. Oh, the church. That's what instantly what people think of is the hierarchy on the way down. That is not the church. The church is here 
going up. Those at the top are doing nothing but serving those who are actually here. God moves miraculously through here. And I promise you, on that day we stand before God. Many of you will say, Lord, why didn't you answer my prayer? And he'll say, man, I tried to give you your answer 10 times. But you never connected with anybody. One day I gave it to her. One day I gave it to him. This guy right here, he knew exactly what to tell you what to do. It would have straightened your life out. How do you know that? Why didn't you experience it? Because you never talked to anybody. You didn't connect with anybody. God wants to move through people to touch your life. Why? I have no idea. It's just what he wants to do. Well, actually, I do have an idea. God likes to hide. He does. That's why he said you got to seek him. Hello? Where are you? I know you're here somewhere. God loves to hide. How many times Jesus did a miracle and told people, don't say anything? Wasn't that bizarre? You ever wonder, why would he do that? Because then before he goes, you got to go tell him, preach the gospel everywhere. But oftentimes these miracles, don't tell anybody. Don't spread the word. Of course, they did anyway because they couldn't keep their mouth shut. But don't tell him why, because God loves to hide. He likes to just pop up and, say, and then hide again. It's kind of like whack-a-mole. You never know. It don't seem to come up. Ah, ah, ah. God wants to whack a mole, not hit you, but it wants to pop up in people's lives. You want to experience God dramatically in Stevens Point? Do it with the people around you in that building. You guys over at Appleton. God will move through people sitting right now that you have no idea what their names are. But you have to be intentional and you've got to connect with these people. Now, again, for some it happens instantly. For some of you, it might take a year or two. It's slow. It's fine. No one's pressuring you. No we force you to be friends with anybody. <laughs> We're not going to hand out friend announcements. <laughs> you get along with him. You like her. You know, that, that doesn't work. But you got to do it intentionally. Which all of this brings me to this final big question. What is the center of your social universe? Think about it. Is it your knitting club? Is it your bowling team? Is it your favorite bar? Is it uh, whatever? Fill in the blank. A lot of people. Is it your bridge club? Your friends that you get together? Is it your neighbors? Yeah, we always get together and we do this, that, and the other. What is the center of your social universe? If the center of your social universe is not your church, you're missing it. That doesn't mean God hates you. It just means you're going to miss it. Maybe you don't need much of God in your life. Maybe you don't need very many miracles. Maybe you can figure it all out on your own. Not likely, but maybe. Hey, there's some people, they're pretty smart. But you want to really experience God, you need to turn your center of your social universe to your church. Now, that does not mean you can't be part of the bowling team or the softball league or any of those other things. In fact, the other mistake Christians make is they get so absorbed in their own church, they never connect with people anymore. I have all kinds of friends. Some of them are just horrible, terrible heathens <laughs> doing all kinds of disgusting things. Yet, they're my friends, and they consider me their friends. Now, they're not the center of my social universe, but I maintain these friendships, clubs, different things, so I can connect with people. It's important to connect. It's hard for me to connect, because as soon as people know who I am, they all treat you differently. You have no idea. You can hang with people as soon as, oh, he's a pastor. <laughs> and I got the plague or something. But you need to have those. Those souls fine. You can have your bridge. Oh, that's fine. But if that's the center of your social universe, you're making a big mistake. Look, I'm not mad at you. I don't hate you. But I'm just saying you need to do this. And you can't do it by going to church four times a year. 
I'm glad you come to church four times a year. There's people who literally consider Celebration Church their church. I meet them. If you'd ask them to go to church, they'd say, yeah. Who's your pastor? Mark Gunger. That's your church. Celebration Church. Absolutely. And they come maybe four to six times a year. Depending. And usually because there's nothing else to do. I mean, if you're a version of churches, there's nothing else to do. <laughs> your priorities are wrong. Your priorities are really right when there's all kinds of wonderful things to do, but now we're going to church first. Ah, now that's a priority. You start connecting with people one way or the other. Look, I know not everybody's going to have tons of buddies. There are some people who just don't like people. I like those people. I like people who don't like people. <laughs> For some bizarre reason, I don't know why. And that's fine. It, it, you don't have to have that kind of, you know, hand-holding, smoochy kind of friendships all the time. But even still, you need to have connections in the church. You need to have people that you can pray with, that you can be open with. It is what it is. I didn't make up the rules. I can't change it. You think just talking to me is going to be your answer? It's not. You think just touching your campus pastor, getting his attention and praying for you is your answer? It's probably not. God hides amongst his people and the Holy Spirit is moving constantly. It's not even the same person all the time. At all. It's quite stunning. Anyway, you need to do it on purpose. Now listen, there's lots of people watching me on television right now. Thousands all throughout central and northern Wisconsin watch this program. Number one, hello! We actually are here in Wisconsin. You have no idea. Most of the people who watch me on TV come up to me and say, you're from Green Bay? Hello? We're from Green Bay. You can see that by Green Bay across the bottom of your screen 30 times during the program. I don't know. Anyway, come to church. You sitting and watching us on TV is not church. It's not. We're glad that you watch. Truly, I am. <laughs> but it's not church. You can learn some things, but it's not church. You won't experience the kind of God in life, the kind of power of God in your life by watching us on television. Get out of bed put on some clothes, take a shower first, and come to church. We have a church in Green Bay. It's on the east side of Green Bay. I know people on the west side of Green Bay think you need a passport to cross the river. You don't. <laughs> Just saying. Have you ever noticed that? Oh, some people are crazy in this city. We're on the east, east side? I ain't never been on the east side. Really? <laughs> it's just a bridge. It won't fall. Well, that one almost did. <laughs> Now we'll never get them. I ain't going over there. That one big bridge almost fell down. I ain't never crossing that water. Get a boat, sail over, whatever. <laughs> All right, Appleton, wonderful downtown Appleton. I don't want to go downtown Appleton. Really, you do for everything else? Go down there. We have a great campus down there. Stevens Point, you live in central Wisconsin? Go, we have a great campus. They're fabulous people. You do it on purpose. Watching us on TV is not church. And we have lots of people in our congregation who watch us online. Now, they do it because they can't get here for whatever reason, and that's fine. They stay connected. But even that, guys, it's not church. Watching it on a screen is not church. You have to be together with people because wherever more than one of you, Jesus said, is where I am in the midst, and the power of God shows up in a unique and powerful way. That is why we go to church. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your truth. Help us understand these truths so that we can commit ourselves to them so that we can be blessed 
and experience the wonderful power of God in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you. Amen.